What is your place in our church? Now, I don't mean the place where you sit on Sundays. I've learned that some of you have assigned seats <laughs> and that you're in the exact same spot every single week. That is an absolutely terrible idea because I know when you're not here. <laughs> if you move around a little bit, you can say, well, you missed me today. I was sitting in a different place, but... Once you settle into the exact same place every week, I always know where to look to see if you're here. But that place isn't the one that I'm talking about this morning. I'm not asking about the place where you sit. I'm talking about the place that you occupy, the place that you fill. What is your place in our church? Every believer has one. There's not one single individual who has received Jesus Christ as Savior that is excluded from God's desire to work through them in the context of the body of Christ. And so this morning, I want us to look at this idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. Would you open your Bibles there? We're in a series called Pressing On, Next Steps for Moving Forward. And we've looked at various areas in our lives where we might want to investigate and explore some next steps that we might want to take. As long as you and I are here on this earth, God has new chapters that he wants to write in our lives. He has new lessons that he wants us to learn. He has new steps that he wants us to, wants us to take. There isn't one single person here or anywhere on the planet that has reached a final destination in his or her relationship with God. If you're not dead, you're not done. And God has new work to do. So what I want to talk about today is the idea that each of us might want to explore. God, exactly what do you desire to do through me here at Beersheba? What is my place? My place isn't simply to sit on a pew. It isn't simply to receive instruction. My place is to serve. Well, what does Paul write about that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12? It's a lengthy passage that we're going to have to look at today. So just hang with me as we read together. Beginning in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul wrote, For just as the body is one, he's talking about the physical body, for just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As, as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. 
and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these parts with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which, are, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Now the rest of the chapter relates to this same idea about the various giftings, but we don't want to, I don't want to talk about that part today. It's not essential to what I want to cover this morning. There are some ideas here in this metaphor that Paul used. He described a physical body because we're all familiar with our physical bodies. We have arms and eyes. We have internal organs. We have, we have all different parts of, of systems and cartilage that, that work together to form our body. And Paul said, you know, that image is a great picture of the body of Christ. There is diversity in that not every part of our body is an arm or an ear, but it, but it forms one unit together that works. So let me talk about what Paul said here. First, he talked about the placement in the body. Not every person who lives on planet Earth is part of the body of Christ. In fact, maybe not even everybody who's in this room is part of the body of Christ. Here's what Paul said is the key. If you look in verse 13... He said, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Paul is including a very important clue here. He said, look, just because a person is naturally born, just because a person has a mother and father and has a physical body, doesn't mean that they are part of the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. He said it is when a person is baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be asking, well, how does a person become baptized by the Holy Spirit? If Paul says, for we were all, all of us who were part of the body, were baptized by one spirit in, into one body, what does that mean? Well, in the very moment that you recognized your need for a Savior, in that split second when you looked at the cross upon which Jesus died, and you understood Jesus did that for me. Jesus did not die on a cross because he was guilty of crimes, Jesus willingly inserted himself into human history. And he taught people that he came to seek and to save the lost. And the way that he spread his arms wide on the cross is a metaphor that says, whoever will receive me can come. In that split second, when you recognized your need for a Savior, when you understood that you were unable to please God on your own, in the moment when you confessed your dependence upon Jesus to be made right with God and repented of your sins and in faith turned to Jesus, at the exact same time you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. That very moment, the Holy Spirit entered into your being. It's, a, it's something that we really cannot explain, a spiritual being inhabiting a physical body, but he does. And so for every single man, woman, college student, teenager, boy, and girl who has come face to face with Jesus Christ and received him as Savior, 
he or she has been baptized by the Holy Spirit and now is part of the body. But only those who have received Christ as Savior can say, yes, I am a part of the body of Christ. A person can be, mem- can be a member of a local church, but not at all be part of the body of Christ. It's only when a person has an individual, personal response to Jesus that he is included in the body of Christ. And so Paul talked about how do we get into the body? There's the placement in the body. Well, then Paul talked about a couple of problems in the body. He said there is some potential for trouble. There are some potential issues that the church might have. And one of those problems, Paul said, is feelings of insignificance. Look at what he said there beginning down in verse 14. Paul said, indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot should, start, should have a bad day, if the foot should have a bad day, maybe, maybe it gets wet on a rainy day in a puddle. And so he begins to say, well, I'm not a hand, so I don't guess I belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. Verse 16 says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. So Paul says, look, I understand there are some gifts in the church that seem to be more prominent. There are some some people in the church who serve in ways that give them greater visuals, uh, exposure to the church. And sometimes individuals can say, well, my gifts aren't as important. What that person does to the church is, is much more important than what I do. Paul said, no. Okay, so, so there are some gifts that are more prominent. So, so what if there are some gifts that have more visual exposure to the church? He said it's the same thing in the physical body. If all you had were eyes, you couldn't hear. If all you had were hands, you couldn't walk. And Paul says there is, a, there is the potential that some people will be sitting out in the pews and they will think to themselves, I'm not really that important to the church. My mother is completely blind. She lost her eyesight about five and a half years ago. Now, the rest of her body works pretty well. But not having her eyes has made a big difference. Same is true in the body of Christ. If we have one member not functioning well, it makes a big difference. And not in a positive way. Paul said, don't ever believe that the gifts that God has given to you are any less significant than the gifts he has given to another. Even if that person seems to be more prominent or has more visual exposure. He said, every part is important. In fact, I've done a little research over the past two or three weeks trying to figure out something that I could share with you. There is a part of my body that is essential to what I'm doing right now, but you might not ever consider it essential to what I'm doing right now. Now, you might be thinking, 
Well, what is essential to what Gary's doing? He's using his hands for gestures and to hold the Bible. Maybe he's talking about that. He's using his eyes to read the Scripture and to look at us sleeping. Maybe that's important. He's, he's using his mouth to talk. He's using his mind to form the words and to say them. But a part of the body that is essential for what I'm doing right now, my big toes. Do you know why? That's right. Who said balance? Judy, you get a raise this week. Your big toe, you get up to 25 cents an hour now. <laughs> big toes are essential for your balance. Now, I don't want you to do this now, but when you get home this afternoon, you can practice this little exercise on your own. If you stand and then just move your weight forward, if you just rock forward a little bit, you don't have to think about it. Your big toes automatically kick in. They automatically start digging into the ground. If you just stand flat and then shift your body weight a little bit, the other toes begin saying, hey, buddy, need your help. And when you rock forward, I don't, I'm, I'm not even thinking about it. But when I do that, my big toes immediately start pressing into the ground to hold me up. Balance. If one were to say, what are the important body parts for preaching a sermon? Prior to my mentioning that one, I don't know that any person in the room would have said big toes. Sometimes when we start thinking about how does our church work, how does it function? You may say, I bet nobody will ever mention me. Big toes. So Paul said there is the potential problem of someone feeling insignificant. But Paul said there is another potential problem with someone feeling independent. There is the issue that some people feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not as important as everybody else. But there is also the problem of some people who feel more important than everybody else. Paul continued down in verse 18. Let's pick up that thought and, and move forward. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if, and, and if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Even if the best organs, even if the whole body was a heart or a brain, where is the rest of the body? He said that's just not the case. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. He said, look, sometimes, I know, Paul said, the church is full of people. And people are imperfect. People are sinful and fallen. They need redeeming. And sometimes that old prideful nature starts slipping in. And it causes a person who's an eye to say, I don't need the rest of these people. I can see. Or sometimes it might cause a head to say, I don't need the rest of these people. I'm what everybody looks at. 
Paul said that's just as big of a problem as one feeling insignificant. But it goes to the other extreme where a person says, hey, the rest of these people don't really matter. As long as I am functioning well, this church is just going to roll right on along. Paul said, nope. Even if you have very good eyes, even if you have a very good head, those parts need the rest of the body in order to be able to function well. Church is not like golf. Church is like basketball. Golf is an individual sport. Do any of you play? Does anybody here play golf, Philip? Will? Some, some of you play golf. I don't play golf. I played two or three times and recognized that if I did not want my language to descend into something that dishonors God, I am not going to be able to play golf. In fact, the third and final time I played, have any of you played over at the Aliceville Country Club? It, apparently, it has a ditch that runs, like here's hole one, two, three, and there's a ditch that runs right through the middle of every one of those holes. If any of you are looking for golf balls, you go to that ditch and you'll find every one of them that I hit that day. <laughs> and so that was it for me. In golf... You don't depend upon anybody else. You get your club out of the bag. You hit your ball. And you don't need anybody else. In fact, you can't have anyone else. You can't say, hey, I'm not very good at putting. You come do this. Golf is an individual sport. But church isn't at all like golf. Church is like basketball. Have any of you ever played on a basketball team where you had one superstar in his own mind who never passed the ball, probably did not win? Paul said, the church is one body. Lots of different members, lots of individual pieces that go together. But everyone important and not one unimportant. Now, there's a little part down here, and I want to be delicate about how I say this, but I do want to explain to you what the Bible teaches. Down in verse 22, Paul said, On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. I'll be careful here, but what Paul is talking about here are our private parts. He said, we always make sure that those parts are covered. We clothe them. We never expose them because we are giving greater honor to them. Now, we might go outside in a short sleeve shirt. We might go outside in short pants. Men might go outside to cut the grass without a shirt on. But we always make sure that our private parts are clothed because Paul says we have greater honor that we show them. And so those who think 
well, I'm just insignificant, Paul said, the church treats you with even greater honor. So don't ever feel that way. So we've looked at how we get into the body. We've looked at the idea of the potential problems in the body. And then talk, Paul talked about what the body can do when it is together. When it really is functioning. Beginning there in verse 25, Paul says, So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And then he talked about the exercising of the gifts in the last part. Paul said, listen. When all of these individual parts go together, when the, when the eyes and the ears, the hands and the feet, when they all work together, amazing things can happen. I don't have the time to, to read you some of the, or to talk about some of the things that I learned about the body over the past couple of weeks, about the way that the, the organs all work together, the way that they alert each other, the way that, I mean, just the act of, of walking and existing every day requires an extraordinary amount of coordination in the body. And then when we watch during the Olympics or sporting events or musical concerts or things like that, we see bodies doing things that astonish us. When we hear a certain person singing or playing the guitar, when we watch an athlete run or catch or, or do any of the other things, we are astonished at what those bodies can, can accomplish as they work together. The same is true with the body of Christ. When each member says, I am a part of a group that God has put together and I intend to serve in every way that he's called me to serve, the body can do great things. I cannot tell you how excited I am about November. I really am convinced that when our body mobilizes itself and says we are scattering out to bless people that we will see God working in us and we will see God working through us in some astonishing ways knowing that his body is going to work what is your place in our church not talking about where you sit I'm talking about the way that you serve what is your part in God's working in and through Bersheba to accomplish his purposes? Think about some next steps. Philip and Jackson are going to lead us in a closing song of commitment today. And I want to offer you two specific ways that you may want to respond. One is that you may say, Gary, when you were talking about that stuff right at the beginning, I'm not sure that I'm a part of the body of Christ. When, when you were talking about a personal response to Jesus, I don't ever remember making a personal response. I just come to church. Well, if that's the case, I would love to talk with you about what Jesus has come to do for you and what he can do in you and through you by bringing you into his family. And so I'll be standing right here at the front. Maybe there's a person who says, Gary, I'd really like to be more involved in our church, but I just don't know where to serve or how. And so would you, would you 
talk with me. Would you help me? Of course I will. In whatever way God's Spirit speaks to you, I hope that you'll be obedient to that. Let's stand together. You come during our singing this morning.